Welcome to the Entrepreneur Academy with your hosts, Nick Dutton of Engage Finance and James Cross from Crossover Property on this episode of the Entrepreneur Academy. I think an entrepreneur is someone that enjoys the journey more than the end goal. You know, we all have an end goal of, like yours and and mine, is to be a millionaire status by 30, 35, whatever. But I enjoy more getting there. But now, here are your hosts, Nick and James. It's Jim Cross here from the Entrepreneur's Academy with my co-host, Nick Dutton. Hi everyone. I've previously on the previous episode done a um, quick interview where Nick was asking me some questions about who I am, my experience, and what I'm doing in the property world, and it's now Nick's turn to be uh, to put under the grill. So nice. We asked you sort of similar type of questions, running through uh, you know Nick's experience and, and what what he does in, in the property world, and uh, a little bit about him. So Nick, start off with just give us a little bit of a, an overview of obviously who you are mm-hmm. um, and then a little bit about your sort of journey from sort of maybe like teenage years up until this point and where, where you've you know come from in that to that place so yeah I'm, I'm Nick um, 26 years old and a part director of Engage Finance which is a mortgage brokerage based in in Nottingham but we tend to cover all over the UK team is myself and my dad that run the business and we fund anything property related if it's not owner occupied residential. So we do buy to lets, HMO funding, development, commercial, anything quirky and anything in between. We basically fund. So my, my background, I worked at Lloyd's Bank for six years in their commercial team. And not this May, May 2018 was made redundant from um, the commercial team there and was offered the same job at Lloyd's, but moving to their Birmingham office. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't want to be traveling to Birmingham every day. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is a good time to actually, to leave and start looking at a career elsewhere. And I knew banking was always what I wanted to do anyway, because it's been part of my you know, childhood. Both my parents were in banking, so it's always been there. So I went and applied for jobs at HSBC, Barclays, Santander, all of those sort of places. And Got chatting to with my dad about it, and he mentioned, you know, why don't you look at becoming a broker? Yeah. Which yeah. at the time I didn't really understand what they were, what they did. But looking back, it was, you know, it's the best thing I've ever did. So I started working with a with a brokerage in Mayfair, in London, which was just okay. crazy. You know, the numbers that they look at down there <laughs> and working in a Mayfair office was amazing. But um, to honest, all the investors. You, you meet down there, you know, and you're like, oh, where, where are you investing? And they're like, oh, some place called Luca Baruga. And I'm like, oh, Loughborough, yeah, I've just come from there. So I started <laughs> yeah. to realise that you actually, to work with London clients, you don't really need to work in London. Yeah. And it was costing me a fortune, you know, trains down there every time. Oh, you see the trains down there? Yeah. yeah okay. So the broker that I worked with had an office there. So I was travelling down on the train every week yeah. um, and staying over at a hotel for the whole week. So, you know, it's like five, six hundred quid a week. It yeah. just adds up. But it gave me such a good insight into the life of a broker, so that was that was yeah. good. And then we, I started by myself, left him in in August, and then my dad joined me start of September. Oh, okay, good so idea. he he worked at Lloyd's for a while as well. Then he worked for Norwich and Peterborough Commercial for two years, and realised that he just had enough of the corporate world. wasn't what he wanted to do anymore. Um, saw that I was quite busy with clients and helping a lot of people so he came on board with me and we've been doing it ever since so yeah yeah fantastic growing from there really yeah yeah so how did you find when you when you first got into the kind of property finance world did you have to go through any sort of set 
education for that or is it kind of you, you got into it and learning on the job or yeah so my background has been banking anyway and it's yeah. always been property a lot of the time but it's always been commercial property yeah so big warehouses <clears throat> offices shops those sort of units um, and quirky ones like car washes mechanics that sort of stuff is the yeah. stuff i've funded before through lloyd's so for me learning the more residential side of things is what's taking its time over the sort of the year that I've been doing it. Mm. So I've never done a traditional buy-to-let deal before. Yeah. Uh, I've done the odd HMO for a big commercial client. So I understood what a HMO was. I understood the, the valuation scales and how it worked. But in terms of a vanilla buy-to-let, I'd never done one before. So yeah. that kind of thing was new to me. You know, when it becomes your, your day job and it's something you're passionate about, you pick it up really easily anyway. Um, and I'm used to working with limited companies, so that side of things wasn't too much of an issue. Um, People often come to us with the structure of how to do a limited company mortgage, but I've got experience in that, so yeah, came quite quite naturally. But in terms of, you know, official training, nothing really. It's all been been hands-on, but as I said, my dad's been doing it for 40 years, so it's kind of like I've got a mentor there that money couldn't buy, which is awesome, really good. Not only in, in banking, but business. You know, he's helped hundreds of businesses over the years grow. So yeah, definitely. it's, it's a mentor on side that, yeah, I wouldn't want to say no to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, uh, I suppose it's quite a, a good dynamic, isn't it? Father, son, absolutely. business. And I mean, how do you find that, that balance of kind of personal and business life? Do you find it challenging or do you find it quite works really nicely? In honest, synergy, or? Yeah. Get, we get on absolutely fine. The thing is we're, we're so laid back. Yeah. We don't clash. Yeah. That's you know, good. And we've we've started getting that busy now where we need some more help. And my mum's sort of looked to coming on board, okay. but I couldn't work with my mum because we're quite similar personalities yeah. and we just clash. But me and my dad get on absolutely fine. So the bits that he adds value in terms of, you know, the really quirky deals that I'm learning on, that yeah. he knows how to structure completely, I'm learning from that aspect. But in terms of lead generation, social media, that sort of stuff that he has no idea about, I can add that to the business as well. Yeah, yeah. So, definitely. yeah, we seem to we seem to work really well. But I would say that anyone going into business with family, it can be make or break, really. Yeah, definitely. I, I think from the limited time I've seen it, it's it's there's no kind of middle ground. It either works really well, um, yeah. or it's a bit of a disaster from the start. I think it's like any business partner, though. You you look at the skill set that they have, and you look at the skill set that you have, and as long as they're different you work as a team quite well. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the same for us. You know, the skill set he has is different to me. So we work okay. Yeah, yeah. So. I, th- I think that's that's important. Like you, like you said, if, if you're going into business with anyone, starting to partner or bring new people on the board, yeah, you've always got to make sure that you are different and you bring different things to the 100%. table. Obviously, you've got to get on well as well. But yeah, if, if you've got to be in charge of your own aspects, like you said, you're better than the social media and the lead generation. And yeah. It is definitely really important to have. It is. Know. really is. When you first started Engage Finance, then how did that that look like? Did you have much of a plan before you went to go and start it, or did you just sort of go for it and and, and start you know growing it from there? Or yeah, I started for about three months with this other brokerage, and I did a lot of networking in in London. Yeah, so that actually introduced me to Progressive, mm. and you know you just Google property networking events in your yeah. area, and that's the thing. But the, the hardest part for me when starting the business was when I worked for Lloyd's, you know, everyone's heard of Lloyd's. Yeah. So people come to you, 
no one's heard of Engage Finance before, so you have to go to them. So, you know, walking in, I remember walking into the first Leicester PPM when it was at the, I think it was the Premier Inn or something yeah. like that in Leicester. And I was in my full suit thinking that's how it should be done <laughs> and walking in thinking, oh my God, like this is so scary, you know, 40 yeah. odd people in the room to find out that Cal who runs it is a broker anyway. So I'm thinking, oh gosh, <laughs> she's not going to want me here. And it was the opposite. You know, she first came up to me, she said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a broker. She went, oh, yeah, I am as well. We got chatting away like that. But the first thing she said is, next time you come here, don't you dare be wearing a suit because no one's <laughs> going to want to talk to you. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing. So, you know, you just got to, like any business, find out where your client base is and get yourself along to them. Yeah. And that's all I did. Find out where the clients were, go along to it, social media, do the basics behind the social media, you know, set up a business page, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's led from there, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, it leads quite nicely into talking a bit about networking, I suppose, is, yeah. you know, you've touched on it there that you have to go to these things and it does bring some good business. Have you found that's quite been quite a fundamental role of your yeah. sort of new business side of things? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We split our networking events as to which ones we go to because there's probably... 15 to 20 a month around this area with, you know, the pins, the PPNs, the Long Eaton Property Hub, those sort of things. Yeah. And you can spend your whole life networking. So you've got to really balance that. But like we've touched on before, consistency is key. If you don't go every month, you might as well not go, in my opinion. Yeah. From a a business aspect, if you're just going to learn, it doesn't matter if you go to the odd one. If you're going from a business aspect, you, you want to be there every month. Yeah. Month in, month out, so you can gain that trust and gain that credibility, not only from the people in the room, but even from you know Cal and other hosts. I've realised that I'm not. We don't mess around. We go every month. We show some dedication, yeah. and they reward that with you know being a speaker or you know last night hosting the mastermind table, that sort of stuff. Mm. They'd never do that for someone that first turns up on the first day. Yeah, so. that's it. Yeah, it's it's consistency. Yeah, yeah. and that's for any business. Yeah, definitely. I suppose what would be your advice if you were to say to people wanting to go to networking meetings and, and thinking I don't have too much time or I don't, I'm a little bit scared of going, would you just say just go and get on with it or would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no time in business for excuses. If you're always going to sit there and think of excuses, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. It's a fact. And that's with anything, you know. I don't want to ring this agent because I'm scared to do it. Well, whilst you're worrying about it, someone else has ring them. <laughs> You know, and you might be a broker. You might think, oh, I won't go to this networking event because I'm scared. Well, that's fine. But another broker's gone that time and they've already gained that trust. They've already gained credibility that you're you're already a step behind. So just do it. That's the best bit of advice you can do, really. Just just go for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, think, you know, like you said, you can go to 15, 20 a month, but in reality, you just need to pick one or two um, and just go some consistently. Yeah manage your own time absolutely um, i think that's that's a lot more powerful than going to all 20 on the odd month yeah definitely. go to two or three yeah I'd but agree. also use it as your social downtime yeah it's not like it is work really when you turn up and you're chatting away to people yeah. you know property well any business really can be quite lonely i mean i'm fortunate in the fact that i've got my dad that i work with but it still can be lonely when you're out and about on your own doing meetings in between time so use networking as your downtime, socialize with people, make friends, discuss other stuff. And it's, it's opened my eyes to, you know, the property strategies that 
don't necessarily involve finance that I would have never heard before. You know, your lease options, rent to rent, those sort of things. Yeah. Never heard of them before. They don't even exist in the finance world. <laughs> so they're, they're all things you pick up on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, like you say, networking can be quite broad and varied. Like you hold as well, your networking golf day. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, fairly informal and, you know, there's not loads of people overwhelmed, but no. at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not just about the networking there. It's about taking some time out of the business. It is. Um, yeah. You know, I like to play golf anyway. So why not incorporate that into a, a networking type thing? And I get feedback now where deals are getting done on those events. And that's really massive for me, you know, that I can do that. So yeah, we host that every month. So yeah, yeah. it's always a good one. No, absolutely, yeah. You know, in terms of, of how you found, you know, in your business as well, moving away from the networking and onto your, you touched on social media as yeah, well, yeah. but you're, yeah. you're very good on social media, I can see it, myself and things like Instagram and yeah. stuff like that. Have you found, you know, did you sort of do that from the start or is that more you've been building that up, you know, later on in the business? You found Yeah. The hardest part of social media that I think everyone has to get over the barrier of is people are too scared to post on there. Yeah. Because they're so worried about posting the wrong thing. But yeah, anyone that follows me knows that I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. yeah. Massive fan of him. And he basically just turns around and says, why worry about it? Just post it anyway. Because yeah. those people that follow you and, and appreciate what you do will like it. And those that don't, it gives a shit at the yeah. end of the day. If they, if they don't like it, then they're not going to want to work with you. But the best clients to work with are the ones that get on with you as a person as well. Yeah, definitely. So the biggest thing is to not be afraid about what you're posting, in my opinion. And yeah. activity is absolutely key. Yeah. You know, post. Don't worry too much about writing a massive long post that has loads of value. You know, do that every now and again. Activity is far more important. You know, posting every day is the best thing. And, and Gary Vee talks about posting something like 24 pieces of content per platform per day. Yeah. Which sounds ridiculous, but you know, that could be a story on Instagram, you know, 10 of those or a story on Facebook, a post on Facebook, on your personal page, post on your business page. You can soon hit 24 when you, when you sit and think about it. Yeah. But 90% of people, when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is open up Facebook and you want to be the first thing that they see. Because, you know, they might have a list of tasks that they do that day. And one of them might be, you know, chat to a mortgage broker, find one. And if you're the first thing that pops up on their page, they're like, right, there's one. Yeah, absolutely. So you've always got to be active across all the platforms. That's what I'd say biggest, biggest bit of value is. Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree with that. It's, uh, it's, it comes down to the same as networking consistency as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you find you've had a lot of, lot of new business directly from, from social media? Do you find it's kind of, a bit indirectly as well, like when the time's right, they will call you because you're in their headspace. Yeah. It, it's the biggest part and the, what I find <laughs> weird, and, and you'll probably say exactly the same, is people that will ring you like they've known you for years <laughs> yeah. because they've seen you on social media. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, Nick, it's so-and-so, how are you getting on? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Who the hell are you? Like, <laughs> I've never met you before, but because you've done a video on, on LinkedIn or a video on Instagram, they that barrier is automatically broken down yeah. and they automatically trust you. And at the end of the day, you know, both property, finance, that sort of sector is quite, there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. So for them, if they're seeing that you're active on social media and you can't just disappear because, you know, you've got a big following and you, you're really active, if you disappear, people are going to know that something's not right. Yeah. That trust is there more as well. So 
I find that's that's a big thing. But yeah, get quite a lot of business through Facebook from people I've you know I've never even met before. But it's also about adding value. You know, a lot of people will just think about taking. Yeah. But actually, you know, if you can comment on a post saying, you know, why don't you do this? Or have you thought about doing this? Rather than going, oh, ring me. I'm so-and-so from Engaged Finance, blah, blah, blah. Just put genuine advice out there. And then, you know, I've had it before where, you know, six months down the line, they're like, oh, I'm not not sure if you remember, but you posted and helped me out. I, I went on your page and found your number. That's where the value is because you're not just sales pitching to them. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, activity is just key, massive yeah. key. I suppose an interesting question is, is one you asked me as well, is how do you think people perceive you on, on social media? Do you, you know, someone we touched on with me as obviously being a you know, young entrepreneur, young yeah. business owner, um, do you think that comes across to people or does it not really matter or what's your kind of opinion on that? I think it is hard to balance it. Because for someone our age as well, a lot of our friendship groups on Facebook yeah, from, you know, school and college days. So I'm posting a lot of professional things. And the hardest part I find is when, you know, friends comment on that. Yeah. Make some banter or something like that <laughs> on, a, on a professional post. Yeah. So it's not necessarily what I'm putting on there, it's more what other people, and that sounds big headed and like I'm blaming other people. But if I put something professional and then someone writes like a, an innuendo or a bit of banter and other people are reading it, it's linked to me in a way. Yeah, true. Um, so that's, that's the hard part. And also, you know, balancing, you know, when I go away with family, they might put a picture of us on the beach or whatever, and you get tagged in it. So that's on your page. So it, it is a balance, but at the end of the day, we're all human. So yeah, it makes it more personable, doesn't it? Does. It? It's, it's... Yeah, it does. And people want to see that, you know, after a lot of in-depth sort of analysis on what posts work and what doesn't. Yeah. And the posts that receive the most sort of interaction are just the generic me in a picture, a selfie or whatever. Yeah. They're the ones that always get interaction, not some picture off Google or something saying this is what a single letter is and this is what you should do and that sort of stuff. So I don't know what sort of image I give off, but... It is me, so I'm not faking it online. It brings me uh, to uh, our next part of this is, uh, you know, what we've done as well is, is the uh, sort of quick fire questions, which yeah. always like to put you on your spot. Um, and uh, Although yeah. I wrote them, so this helps. Although you wrote them, yeah, so you know, you know, you know what to expect. Yeah. The Entrepreneur Academy, quick fire questions. So what the first question would be, what is it that you think sometimes people might misunderstand about you? Even though I wrote it, I still haven't thought about an answer for this. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is an age thing. Yeah. An age thing. If you're a younger person and you're new to a sector, because we're, you know, we're a young business, we've only been going uh, just over a year, 18 months, people might think that that comes across in less experience and less knowledge, but I don't think that's true at all. So maybe people think, understand that I'm young and don't necessarily have the knowledge behind it, perhaps. Yeah, well, I, I suppose... Yeah, I mean, you have got a, a good level of knowledge anyway. Um, and like you say, you work with your dad, who's got yeah, 40 yeah. years' experience. So yeah. I think that, that kind of backs up a lot yeah. anyway. Um, We've tried to get as many reviews and stuff to sort of counteract that. But yeah. I have found I've got gained a lot more trust and business since, you know, bringing my dad onto social media as well. Yeah, So yeah. people see that. But I'd like to think that when I get chatting to people, they're quite knowledgeable about it anyway. So that sort of breaks that barrier. But maybe... 
from initial views. That's what might be misunderstood. Yeah, brilliant. So what makes you an entrepreneur? What do you think makes someone an entrepreneur, if you could put it into a, in a short little sentence or an essence of an entrepreneur? Yeah, I saw this on, on LinkedIn, someone posted about it. And my comment was, I think an entrepreneur is someone that enjoys the journey more than the end goal. Yeah. So, you know, we all have an end goal of like yours and, and mine is to be a millionaire status by 30, 35, whatever. But I enjoy more getting there. Yeah. So what gets me out of bed is is actually the fact that I love business and I love the growth of the business. So I think that's what makes an entrepreneur more than anything. Yeah, no, brilliant. If you were to have a book written about you, um, what would you think it would be called? I know I struggle with this one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think it would be just called Driven. Driven? Cheesy, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything that I've done, I've always gone 100% at it with anything. Yeah. From my personal life, with my weight loss, with business, you know, if I'm set myself on something, that's it. I'm fully focused on it. And I'd like to think I'm quite driven to achieve it. So, mm. yeah, something around that, I think. If you were to give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you give them? Probably care less what people think of you. Yeah. I was so, so self-conscious. I was so focused on what I thought others wanted my career to be. Yeah. And that's not a dig at anyone and my parents or anything like that. But there was always that it was almost like a path was set there that I should be going into a full-time job, should be doing banking, should be doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. Whereas for me, having a business and being a business owner is always what I wanted to do. Like a lot of people say it and it just is, you know, back when I was at school, funny story in that my parents used to get letters sent home because <laughs> I used to go around and pick up pens, rollers and rubbers and stuff yeah. off the floor. And then I'd sell them at my locker at lunchtime. <laughs> so I used to get letters sent home. And then while I was at college, you know, I ran a small business and I was skiving lessons to run a business. So yeah. I was always getting letters then. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's always, I'd just say, looking back, take on board what you need to take on board. But I think it's like you said, focus more on what, what you want to be doing. Yeah. More yeah. than what you think is, or what you're told is right to be doing. I think that's got to be the definition of an entrepreneur where <laughs> you're doing a little business when you're at school. Yeah, I yeah. was always getting told off. I used to buy sweets from the tuck shop and then sell them for 50p more out of my locker. <laughs> yeah, always stuff like that. Yeah, like I was just saying, it's, but, but, you know, you look at what a customer wants and what the value is to them and it's, exactly. it's about having it ready there so they don't have to go to the tuck shop. It's exactly, supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you make money where you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you were to describe one word for your, your personal self and your business self, what would that be? Do you think you're very different in those two aspects or? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, going back to, for my business self would be driven. You know, I've always had that goal and, you know, I've got a PowerPoint slide of exactly what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it uh, to hit that goal. Yeah. So in, t in that sense, I'm driven from there. From a personal aspect, Along the same lines, but I'm quite a passionate person in that, you know, I've got a lot of hobbies and if I'm not doing business, it's my hobbies that I'm doing a hundred percent, which I'm really passionate about, you know, my cart fishing, cycling, golf, all those sort of things is what I'm really passionate about. So I'd say that that's probably a good word to describe myself personally. Yeah. yeah. Quite passionate about that sort of stuff.
what's the best compliment you think you've ever received business-wise? I struggle with this one. Yeah. It? It's, uh, it's probably along the same lines as you. Like you were saying about, you know, people at your age, you think, they think that, you know, it might, might be not as good as your job. But like you said, you went into more detail on the compliance side of things that yeah. you were really good at. So I'd probably say it's that, you know, uh, we had a, a deal that had been to three other brokers, actually, um, a multi-unit block right near a commercial, quite a rundown property yeah, yeah. that had been to three brokers. The, the guy had paid thousands of pounds to get it over the line. And I kind of spoke to him and said, look, I can't guarantee anything, but just give me a, a chance. We got it over the line with quite a quirky lender, but it was a, a deal that was really, really good. And they're paying a bit more for it, but it stacks really, really high. That client now, I've done funded probably another 15 properties for them all off the back yeah, of that fantastic. because they've just kind of turned around and said, I'm glad I gave you that time. So yeah. that's probably the, one of the best things, best compliments I've received. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Getting your one shot at showing and improving yourself. And yeah, that's the thing things. for anyone that's, you know, starting out in business, that's massive. And it doesn't always come straight away. I was quite lucky in the fact that that came straight away. Yeah. And I can talk to other clients about that example, but one of the key parts is if I sat there and thought, I don't know if I'm going to actually be able to deliver on this. Yeah. Don't do it because the property sector as a whole, the bad stuff spreads very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing actually in the networking, going back to that, because you'd rather bad stuff spread because there'd be people don't make the same mistake. Yeah. So from my point of view, if I didn't think I could deliver, I wouldn't have done it because starting out in business being, you know, when you first start out, I was 25 and if I'd just be some jumped up kid offering, saying I could do this, that and the other and not delivering. So that's probably it there. Yeah. I'm yeah. off on a bit of a tangent, but. No, that's no, good. If you could change one thing about, I say the property or property finance sector, what would you think you could, you would want to change or do you think anything needs to change? The, what I'd change about the property finance sector is residential mortgage brokers thinking they can fund quirky deals <laughs> yeah, because they see that there's, you know, the lenders pay more commission on those sort of deals, but there's a reason because they're hard yeah, and we don't operate in the residential funding because we don't understand that sector. Yeah. We work with a trusted broker that we, that does our personal mortgages. So we refer that to him and he often says to us, look, why, why don't you do it yourself? And it's because it's a whole different ball game. Yeah to a commercial sector and an investment sector. And it's the personal mortgage brokers that try to fund the commercial deals. And then the client comes to us and goes, I've tried to do this. And and he told me to go with, you know, BM Solutions who do vanilla stuff, never going to touch this with a barge bar. And I'm like, that's cost you thousands of pounds going down the wrong path. That's what frustrates me. And another one is, you know, go back to training. and And again, it's, you know, it's always seen as a controversial thing, but I'm witnessing people give up jobs, spend so much money on training and not being no better off. Yeah. Because the training is fantastic. And like you touched on for the right person, yeah, you need to go through some sort of vetting thing before you can even get on it. In my opinion, like you said, yeah. because you know, unless you take the certain number of boxes, you, you cannot do the property side of things. Yeah. And the property people, the training it's a business and most of these businesses are doing better than in the training than they are in the property that we were doing Mm -hmm. before, which is fine. You know, business is business and I don't blame them at all, 
but the deals that they shout about are like one in a thousand. You know, I pulled out all my money and doing this and then they're just hard. Then there's yeah. a few far between, but people get sucked up into it, which it is a sales funnel. And I have no, no word against sales funnels in the, half, the fact that how they work because it's business. But when you talk to the real life examples, you just think, well, we're talking about, you know, 30, 40 grand spent on training and then nothing coming from it. And they're going back to work and you're yeah. like, wow, that's a real life example. Yeah, and it's quite scary as well. It is. It is scary. And you just feel sorry for them, you know. They've got a family and kids and the 40 grand is gone. Yeah, definitely. It's it's training training is always one thing. It's it's the other side. It's just the direction and and you yourself and where you want to be and what effort you're putting in. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes people are, you know, spinning away, putting loads of effort in. They're just not in the right direction. They go around circles. Just need that direction for it. So, yeah. But I think that's down to an individual. It is you can have an individual that has all the training and knowledge, but they're so stuck in their own zone. They're not willing, they've got their blinkers on. They're not looking at what other people are doing or taking advice of what other people are doing. They're just doing what they've learned, which is not wrong, but sometimes you need to open your vision and talk to people. Yeah. I think that's the difference. You know, people talk about property millionaires and the big names out there. Yes. They've had the knowledge and they're really good at what they do, but the reason they've got there is because of them. Yeah. Not Absolutely. because of their knowledge. It's because they wake up, they're driven, they work 12 hours a day. That's like you've touched on, you know, property is not a passive income as such. You have yeah. to bloody work hard for it. You do. Absolutely. If you were to give some, some tips, um, you know, two or three little tips to, to young entrepreneurs who want to either get started in business or get started in, you know, in property or anything like that, what what would you, you know, advise them? Yeah, touching back on what I was sort of advice I would have given myself is, don't get hung up about what other people are saying. Yes, there's going to be people around you that you're close to, that you love, and they're really important parts of your life. But if you're wanting to become an entrepreneur and they're not an entrepreneur, mm. they don't understand that route. Yeah. I've always thought that being an entrepreneur, you either are or you're not, Yeah, in my opinion. I don't think it's something that can be taught. You've always had that ambition in your head, whereas you, you know your parents, your friends might just be so focused on getting this job and they might have a 200 grand a year job, which is fantastic, but it's not being an entrepreneur. It's a different journey. So I would say take on board the advice, but don't get so hung up on it. Yeah. I think that's where I went wrong is the fact that I relied so much on it. And that was the only, because they're saying it's right. Yeah. It must be right. It's your own life. You don't want to look back at yourself in 10 years time and you've got a fantastic job, but you're not happy. Yeah, you might be earning 100 grand a year, but you go into a job you absolutely hate. And what you'd rather do is earn 50 grand a year, but be running your own business. Yeah, that's it. It all comes down to the work-life balance, doesn't it? And thinking, absolutely. What's the point in in running your own business, doing all this and earning money and building something? What is the reason people do it? And exactly, you know, you've got to have enjoy your life as well. 100%. Another thing is that there's no secret to business. The one secret, and it's not even a secret, is you work your ass off. Yeah. And that's literally it. Yeah. You know, you talk to any of the successful business people out there and they won't go, oh yeah, my golden nugget of success is this. And once you've learned this, that's it. You'll be a millionaire. No, they work hard for long hours a day. They give up the rest of their life. You know, again, touching on Gary V, you know, he talks about while his friends were off at summer having parties and whatever, mm. he was working. Yeah. And now he's a millionaire 
probably close to a billionaire looking to buy the bloody jet and his other friends are not, he was saying that he got messages from them saying, oh, you got lucky, when actually while they were off partying, he was grafting. Yeah. So I'd, for anyone doing out there, don't get hung up about, don't start Googling what the next big business is or Googling how to be a successful, just work hard. Yeah. Pick what you want to do, love it, have a passion in it and work hard at it. And that's yeah. a simple thing. And it seems less like work then as well. It's Exactly. And it takes time. Like you were saying, you know, you start with an e-commerce, which is a business and you're passionate about business, but you weren't passionate about what the business was. Yeah. Now you've moved into property. You're passionate about property and business. So yeah, it's it from sense. all aspects. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of leads into, into nice right? As I say, like, obviously running your own business, you know, you do have to work hard and, you know, it can be tough at times. I mean, how, how do you manage your work-life balance? It is hard. It is hard because for me, we work from home a lot. Yeah. So my laptop is always there. And like I was saying to you earlier, you know, if one in the morning, I'm thinking, oh, I didn't do that. Yeah. I'll go to my office and I'll do it. So it is hard, but, and it sounds cliche and cheesy, but if you genuinely love what you do, mm. it's not like you're working. Yeah, definitely. It, it just isn't. So there's times when I'm like, you know, get my head down and I've worked eight hours solid without even getting a drink or looking up. Yeah. And that's, it's not work, you know, you look back and think, oh, I've had such a productive day. That's been really, really good. I don't look back and think, oh my God, I missed my lunch break or I didn't go <laughs> out for a drink or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, that's how I look at it. I sit back and think, that was a really good day. Yeah. So that, it does sound cliche. So, but then it's also about, like you said, I don't have many friends, but the friends I do have, my downtime is your fishing and I do networking and golf but you can sort of intertwine it all together anyway. Yeah. Definitely. So there's quite a few of my professionals, accountants and solicitors that I go fishing with. So yeah. for me, I'm building up such a great relationship with them, but it was also downtime. Yeah. Um, Mix it all in together. Exactly. You know, I host that networking event, which is for golf, which, you know, you come along to and we get sort of, it varies. Sometimes there's only two or three, sometimes there's 10, 15 of us. But you yeah. still have a good time either way. Exactly. You know, yeah. You play golf, you're with friends. And it's informal. It's not like you're having to do an elevator sales pitch. Yeah. You're just chatting away. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of your, your kind of future plans and goals, and have you, have you kind of got a set path of where you want to go with things? Have you got, a, you know, a vision of what that looks like for you? Or Yeah, I've got a full PowerPoint slide of, of each year for the next 10 years. Yeah, brilliant. Starting next year. For me, being in finance, I'm quite numbers driven. Yes. Yeah. So although I have a mood board, for me, it doesn't really hit home. Mm. I've got a picture of, you know, the car I want and the house I want and this, that and the other. But for me, I look at it and it doesn't make me go, yeah, I need to do this, I need to do that. Yeah. I look at my PowerPoint slide and go, right, in 2020, I need to do this number of clients. I need to lend this amount and that's what it's going to deliver. And then that will mean I can get this many properties for this. So it's, it's all numbers for me yeah. really more than anything. So yeah, that's the sort of how I target things. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you obviously got your, your, you know, engaged finance with the property finance side of things. Yeah. Have you also got an aspect in, in your plan for your own investments in property and plans for that as well? Yeah. So similar to property, you know, in property, you can grow a portfolio. You can sort of grow a portfolio of brokers yeah, yeah. So part of my growth for the engage is to take on more brokers. Yeah. Because you sort of take a kickback from them as they grow. Mm. So it's sort of 
I don't like the phrase, but it's sort of like passive income from that aspect. Yeah. But I am also looking to grow my own property portfolio as well. Mm. My best mate's a builder. So my end goal for us is to to buy land and build. Yeah, that's, that's what we're, we're quite passionate about. So that's the sort of end goal for us. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking to take on properties now, looking at rent to rents as well, Yeah, which is good for income wise, but it's not what I would class as a long-term strategy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's people out there that would happily disagree with me and say that it's a fantastic long-term strategy because, you know, you look at the big business people, you know, the Amazons and those sort of people, they don't own any of the business. It's yeah. all managing it, isn't it? So. True. I suppose it's what your what your focus is, isn't it? If yeah. you're focusing on the finance side, it's you know. But some people have. I mean, I know some people. I'm sure you do as well. Have massive rent to rent portfolios. Yeah, and, yeah. But that is all they do. Yeah, which is great. But that's their focus, and that's why they've been successful with it. Absolutely. I think that the thing for us, going back on our age thing, is that you know, I don't think state pension is going to exist when we get there. No, it's. I mean, I'll be totally honest. I think I had three different pensions from three different employers. Yeah probably a few hundred quid in each and I just ignore them. I have no desire or kind of like fallback for, for the state pension or no, anything like that. I'm, no. I'm purely building my own, my own business, my own assets. Yeah. Because you need your own security. Exactly. That's that's what property is for me, I think, my sort of pension pop. Yeah. Because you look at the figures, at like capital appreciation over the last, even over the last five years, mm. I looked at the figures and it was something like by 2036 or something. The average UK price is going to be eight hundred thousand. Yeah. So you've got to invest now because property is yeah. only going one way. Really, it's a lot safer than pensions. Yeah. You know, I look. I chat to my dad about his pension, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's gone down a certain amount of bits today." And I'm just like, "And he's like, oh, yeah, it's gone down fifty grand." Or and I'm thinking, "Yeah, property crashes up and down, but it's it's a lot more steady than stocks and shares pensions." Schemes, yeah, you own an stuff. asset, and it's. If you never sell it, you never really lose money, do you? It's- exactly. In terms of the passive income from it as well, you know, even during the crash, people are still renting properties, so you're always yeah. going to get that rental income as well. So it is, it's a safer investment. So that, for me, is a lot of uh, bankers wouldn't even think of touching property. They'd invest it all into stocks and shares or, you know, Forex or whatever they tend to get involved in. But yeah. for me, I just don't understand it. You know, if I invest in something and I go to it, it's bricks and mortar. I see it. I know it's mine. I can touch it. I know it sounds yeah. weird, but, you know, Forex for me is a few digits on a screen. It just doesn't seem no, it doesn't right. Real, is it? It's yeah. Real. Uh, same with cryptocurrency and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, People think as a banker, you know, all the ins and outs of it, but they got a clue. No, it's very volatile as well. Hugely. Whereas property, you know, as much as you do go up and down, it is stable, you know, and it is predictable to a level. That history has shown us that it will always go up in value at, you know, some point if you hold it. So I, I had this conversation with someone uh, last night about, you know, they said to me, what do you think about buying? Should I buy now? Should I wait till Brexit is over? Yeah. And I'm just like, my opinion on it, if you keep on coming up with excuses not to do something, you'll never do it. Exactly. If for any reason you buy now and something changes, then that's fine. You have to have a bit of a, you know, a secondary plan. But, yeah. you know, if you if you keep delaying and don't buy, then, you You're know, you're going to get anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I get asked the same question all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? And I'm like, I'm quite blunt with some people. Some people that I know well, I'm yeah. blunt with. And I say, you know what? It's another excuse in the book of excuses because yeah. you'll wait till the first 31st of October and you won't buy because of Brexit. 
Brexit will happen, nothing will change, and then you won't buy because Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. Exactly. And then you won't do anything because Christmas, and then Christmas happens, then you won't do anything because New Year's around the corner. Yeah. There's always something. January's dark and gloomy. Wait exactly. And then it's like, oh, there's, there's my birthday in February, so I'll wait till after that. And then and then the summer hits, oh, I'm going on holiday. There's yeah. always something. So it's just another one to add to the list of excuses. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's a load of rubbish. Uh, I agree. It's a bit uh, controversial, but there we go. <laughs> Have you got any uh, any exciting plans for uh, sort of the next six months or anything next year that you want to you, you can share, or is it you've got some big things coming in, in, in um, the pipeline? Do you reckon? So obviously we've got the podcast launching, so that's quite exciting coming up. I've got engaging networking. I'm looking to grow bigger. Yeah. So I'd like to sort of have a Nottingham one, and to have a Leicester one, and to have a Derby one eventually, but we'll see. And then we're, we're looking to potentially get a shopfront office. In fact, by the time this comes out, we might have one already. But to sort of, and look to take on a personal mortgage broker. Yeah, fantastic. Or partner up properly with this one we refer to. Um, so we can sort of help people with residential mortgages as well. Yeah. Not something that we're going to be doing, but we'll have someone that will. Um, and try and get a shopfront office somewhere. Because probably the same as you, 90% of our meetings are now in Costas and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so it makes yeah. sense for us to have a base. So that that's quite exciting. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's it really, around the corner. Fantastic, uh, but I'm yeah. sure I'll find something else. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit something. like you that, you know, once you have an idea, then you seem to run with it. And what am I doing more networking events? I want to host something like a PPN. Yeah. And yeah. I have looked at it. I looked at doing it at the Fat Cats in Nottingham. Okay, yeah. And I went and met, because he's one of my clients, I went and met him and we chatted about using their space and all sorts, yeah. but it's just such a massive commitment. Not even everyone thinks, oh, it's just one night, yeah. it's a few hours, but the amount of prep and planning and and all that behind the scenes, hats off to people like Cal and everyone that runs their business as well as that, because yeah. it takes so much planning. Yeah, and even definitely. from what you know, from doing the podcast, you know, trying to arrange a time in a day where you can sacrifice a whole day. Just few and far between. So as much as I'd like to do that, I just haven't got the time to do it. Yeah, moment. yeah. Something um, in, the, in the back burner. Yeah, I think it's just built a massive rapport. You know, when you look at the people that host the events, they're almost seen as like celebrities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like me and you were saying, you know, with some of the guests we've got coming on, when we first started in property, we, we looked up to those people yeah. so highly. And, and some of them are the hosts of these events. You automatically yeah. get that, don't you? You do, definitely. So yeah, that's what we've got going on. Fantastic. I mean, if, if you wanted to share any any contact details, if anyone wants to get in touch, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so we're all over Facebook, we're all over Instagram. Uh, it's Nick Dutton on all of those platforms. My number is zero double seven nine one five eight one two seven four. Always happy to have a chat. Email address is nick.dutton at engagefinance.co.uk or my dad's is colin.dutton at engagefinance.co.uk. Always happy to chat about property, always happy to meet up for coffee. So yeah, let's get in touch. Fantastic. Well, Nick, it's been great to uh, you know, yeah, find out a bit more that. about yourself. And uh, I'm sure that you know, the journey between us will grow. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Podcast, so. we'll, we'll talk more in terms of finance and stuff on, on other ones. But, Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. This is the Entrepreneur Academy. If you have a question, use the hashtag the Entrepreneur Academy.